0: This is Broken Pledge, a special project of the Columbus Dispatch. It is a story about fraternity hazing and the life and death of Colin Wyant, an 18-year-old student at Ohio University. I am Sheridan Hendricks. As you listen to this special project, please consider supporting investigative journalism like this by visiting dispatch.com slash subscribe.
1: Police. Hey, um, so I just got connected you with you. Uh, so we're at 45 Mill Street, and um, one of my friends is just—I um, mean, he's pretty like—are you drinking a little too much tonight? Okay, is so he responsive? Um, he was, and then he's like kind of laid back, started passing out.
0: Okay, is he still breathing? Yes. Okay, I'll send him down that way. I mean, is there he, an apartment
1: he, he, number? Uh, it's 45 Mill Street. We'll we'll, we'll carry him out. Like he's like okay. pretty in, he's pretty in and out, so like. Well, let's not carry him out yet, because it's really cold outside, and the squad takes
0: a little bit. So let's just leave him there, and I'll send an officer down. The squad's heading that way too. Okay.
1: All right, sounds good. All right, thanks. All right, bye.
0: There was no big party or official fraternity gathering for the Sigma Pi brothers on the night of November eleventh, two thousand eighteen. It was a typical fall Sunday night for several of the Sigma Pis, who were scattered around Court Street in the heart of Ohio University. Some were glued to the NFL game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Some were working in popular campus area bars. Some were walking from bar to bar visiting friends. Colin Wyatt had been relaxing and studying in the afternoon before he too ventured to Court Street that night. He hit some of the bars and ran into his Sigma Pi brothers. Those who saw the freshman with reddish-brown hair and blue eyes said he didn't seem intoxicated. Some assumed he was drinking. Some weren't sure if he was drinking at all. At around 1.30 a.m., Colin walked into the Crystal Bar and ran into Corbin Gustafson. Corbin, a sophomore and treasurer from Sigma Pi, had just gotten off work as a bouncer at another bar, Courtside. Corbin knew that Colin was going through a hard time. Colin's dad had recently been diagnosed with cancer, and a female student had accused Colin of sexual assault. That allegation caused Colin to be suspended from pledge activities, so Corbin thought it would be good for Colin to hang out. He invited Colin back to the fraternity's unofficial house at 45 Mill Street that was just off campus. But they first made a stop at Colin's dorm, Gamersfelder Hall, on the campus's East Green. Colin needed to get his phone charger. While walking down the hallway around 1.45 a.m., they ran into Jace Redenauer, the resident advisor for Colin's floor. Jace would later say to university officials that he didn't believe Colin was under the influence of alcohol. In fact, Jace said, Colin seemed fine. Colin and Corbin walked into the Mill Street house around 2 a.m. The house was quiet. It was dark. There weren't many people around. Nearly all of the brothers who lived there had retreated to their rooms or were still out. Forty-five mil, as the fraternity called it, was open for the men to do whatever they wanted. In the back room, or living room area of the house, were Sigma Pi brothers, Cullen McLaughlin, and Joshua Andrusac. Joshua lay on the futon listening to music, but before arriving at the house, he had stopped to buy some nitrous oxide canisters. If inhaled, The gas from these canisters is supposed to produce a head rush or floating feeling. They're often known as whippets. The canisters are found pretty easily on OU's campus. Joshua bought a box of them at the Silver Serpent Exotic Gifts on Court Street. Joshua couldn't remember who asked him to purchase the whippets, but said someone promised to pay him back. Joshua offered the others a whippet. Colin took a canister and inhaled the gas. Seconds later, Colin fell back on the futon. His eyes went flat. He began to turn white and make noises that alarmed Joshua, Corbin, and Cullen. He doesn't look good, Corbin said. Colin began gasping for air as his face continued to lose color. As the situation grew more dire, Corbin called the fraternity's president, Elijah Wahib. Elijah had just finished working his shift at the J-Bar on Court Street and was now eating at the Union Street Diner. In the 29-second call, Corbin told Elijah that Colin was having a hard time breathing. He asked if he should call 911. Elijah told him to make the call. But the minutes kept ticking by. One. Two. Three. Eight. Nine minutes according to phone records obtained by the dispatch. While Corbin called 911, Joshua, for the first time in his life, had started performing CPR on someone. Corbin said in the call that he would carry Colin outside. The 911 dispatcher asked him not to move Colin. Joshua pressed down on Colin's chest over and over. He was breathing into Colin's mouth every 20 seconds. The paramedics arrived within minutes and pulled Joshua away from Colin. They told him they had it from there. Joshua watched as they worked on him, hooked him up to the heart monitor. When the last monitor tabs were pasted to Colin's skin, everyone looked at the machine. Joshua saw the flat line. Colin was barely alive when they wheeled him out of 45 Mill Street, but it was too late. Colin died at Ohio Health Oblentis Hospital in Athens just after 3 a.m. The Athens County coroner ruled that the cause of Colin's death was asphyxiation due to nitrous oxide. He had gone too long without oxygen. His lungs were filled with blood and fluid. He suffocated to death. And those who assumed Colin had been drinking all night before his death were wrong. His blood alcohol content was 006 There was a trace amount of marijuana detected in his urine, but the coroner found no other drugs in Colin's system. No Xanax, as a fraternity brother soon would openly speculate. Athens police are continuing their investigation into Colin's death. They declined to comment on the details of what happened that night at Mill Street. As for the actions of some of the Sigma Pi brothers that night, Rex Elliott, the Wyant's family attorney so they don't need a police investigation to figure out what went wrong.
1: It's all terrible, but here's what stinks the worst to me. At 2.40 in the morning, Colin, these active members that were in that house, observed Colin struggling to breathe. Between 2.40 and 2.50, they spoke to each other about what to do next. Instead of calling the emergency responders. The emergency responders weren't called until 2.50. That's a 10-minute delay. Emergency responders got there very quickly. Had they called emergency responders at 2.40 in the morning, Colin Wyant might be alive today, but instead they were worried about how they would look in this whole situation. That, to me, is the thing that stinks the worst.
0: Dublin Police Corporal, Nathan Heisel, had been rehearsing how he would tell Kathleen and Wade that their son was dead. Heisel was on patrol that night, and the Wyant's home was on his watch. He didn't hesitate when his supervisor asked who should say it. The knock on the door at 5 a.m. woke Kathleen Wyant. She figured the two Dublin police officers standing outside her front door were there because they had left the garage door open again. But there were multiple police cars and no sirens, no lights. She opened the front door. Heisel and his boss, Corporal Alex Carlson, were standing there. Then she noticed a third man who wasn't in uniform. He was the police department's chaplain. In that moment, Kathleen knew one of her children was dead. Which one of my children is it? And he said, I need need you to get your husband in. And I said, I understand exactly what's going on here. Which, Which one is it? And he wasn't share anything with me, so I called for Wade to come down. Heisel broke the brief, awkward silence.
1: You know, I just, my heart's breaking for this family. I have three children of my own, and I cannot fathom what it would be like to be on the receiving end of what I had to do. I just remember telling the the family that I had some ex- Extremely difficult news uh, to convey to them, and that there was no easy to, way to say it. Right. I explained to them what I knew at that point, as as professionally and succinctly and clearly as I could. And then,
0: you know, they immediately said, on behalf of the, I can't remember if they at Athens or Dublin Police Department, we regret to inform you that your whatever time is when your son, Colin, Wilde, was found dead at the dublin police officers were consoling compassionate and heartbroken for the wyants but they didn't have the answers the family wanted how did this happen who was with him when he died did he die in the fraternity house or at the hospital was it a homicide the dublin officers just didn't know After about 20 minutes in their living room, the Wyants politely asked the officers for privacy. The officers left the house, but Corporal Alex Carlson didn't want to leave the family alone. He knew they would have questions. They might need help. As a human being, I will never forget the look on both of their faces. I remember thinking
1: about my dad when I talked to their dad and That still sticks with me.
0: So he stationed one of his Dublin officers outside the home in his patrol car and told the officer that if the family needed anything to make sure that they got it. The pain they felt inside the Wyant home was searing, even for officers and a chaplain who have trained for this. They've delivered the worst possible news to families before, but this one felt different a death that seemed so senseless and preventable. Even Dublin Police Chaplain Steve Norton was upset when he heard the few details surrounding Colin's death.
1: And, you know, um, this is the only thing I'll say about that. uh, As I began to become aware of the circumstances, um, I was angry, and that's all.
0: At five thirty eight AM, Aiden Wyant awakened to a soft touch and his parents sitting on the edge of his bed. Aiden was in a haze, but could tell it was bad news from the tears streaming down his mom's face. Kathleen and Wade Wyant also woke up their daughter Ava and brought her with them into Aiden's room. They told them Colin was gone. He had died at college. Aiden froze. Even as Kathleen was crying and hugging him, he was paralyzed with shock. He stared at the ceiling for 15 minutes without saying a word. A few minutes later, he was on the phone with his older brother, Austin, who was living in Chicago. They could only manage to say hello to each other before the emotions overwhelmed them. There were no words for several minutes, only sobs.
1: I went on the phone with my oldest brother, And that's when we couldn't even talk. Right when he said, you know, like, hi, I said hi, and then we didn't talk at all. We just kind of cried there on the phone. But then the whole day, I mean, I couldn't even, like, I was confused. I mean, I knew, like, all these people were coming over, comforting us and everything. But, like, I mean, those are the only two times I cried, like, that entire, like, week. I just kind of, like, sat there, and that entire week I was just. I don't know. It wasn't like... It was weird. Aiden
0: never asked his parents how Colin died. He already knew. Hazing
1: had to be involved. I guess I always knew. Right away, when they told me that he passed, I knew that he, it was from hazing.
0: At about 7 a.m. on Monday, November 12th, Brindley Zigg, Colin's longtime girlfriend, still foggy from sleep, reached for her phone on the desk in her dorm room. There was a big test that day in her criminal justice class at the University of Dayton. But when she saw her phone, she knew something bigger was happening. There were three missed calls from her mom, four from her dad. She immediately called her mom. Colin was found dead last night at the frat house, was all she heard. The shock and piercing white noise filled her head.
1: And I just immediately started bawling my eyes out. And there wasn't even like a point where I was like, no. Like, knowing what he was going through, I totally believed it. Like, there was no part of me that was like, this isn't happening at that time. Which the natural response for people is to just say, no, like, that didn't happen. But I, like, knew. It was, which is disgusting to me, that it was so totally believable. He was found dead at the frat house. is what she said, actually. He was found dead at the frat house last night. And I just didn't even not believe it. Which is just so disgusting to me.
0: Brinley ran two floors down to tell the news to a mutual friend of both her and Colin. Brinley collapsed in the hallway. Her friends couldn't move her. A few hours later, her family came to get her. By 4 p.m., she was at the Wyatt's house. All of Colin's siblings were there. Austin, Olivia, Aiden, and Ava.
1: The first person I saw was Olivia, and she just ran over to me and just... I was bawling her eyes out, and it was just such a terrible experience. Because I know, and I've been so guilty about this, that it was they blindsided them, and I feel like I had the opportunity to tell them that it was happening, and they would have pulled them out of that frat so quickly. <laughs> This is why would not have let him stay in that fright. She would have done anything in her power to keep him away from it.
0: Kathleen had gone upstairs to take a break from all the friends and family who had come by to give comfort. About an hour later, she came downstairs and saw Brindley. Brindley had been texting with friends at OU who were with Colin before he died. They tried to make sense of it all. Brindley gave Kathleen a blow-by-blow blow of what she had learned as the text arrived on her phone. Colin had been at Court Street that night. He had met up with friends and some Sigma Pi guys. He might have had one drink, but he was fine otherwise. When the text slowed down, Brindley looked at Kathleen. She had some dark secrets about Colin that only she knew. Kathleen had to know, Brindley thought.
1: And she was like, well, do you have anything else? And that's when I told her that he had told me he had done cocaine, and then I stopped talking to him. I... Honestly, I felt really uncomfortable talking to her about it because I felt really guilty about it because I feel like I had the power to tell her earlier and I didn't.
0: Shortly after returning home around 3.40 a.m., Elijah Wahib, the Sigma Pi president, was told by Athens police that Colin was dead. He began frantically trying to wake up his sigma pi brothers calling them in the middle of the night and even going to their homes to try and wake them news of colin's death was quickly spreading around campus elijah then called ohio university's liaison for greek life kristen cardis she told him to hang in there dr jenny hall jones ou's dean of students ...called Elijah to say that the university would provide any support necessary to help the fraternity get through the ordeal. Once he was able to make contact with the fraternity brothers, Elijah organized a meeting about seven hours after Colin died. Everyone in the fraternity, including pledges, needed to be there. Elijah told OU investigators he wanted to bring everyone together to offer help and healing. The men had done something similar when some time ago, a former brother had taken his own life. But the meeting was far more than a support group. The pledges were immediately inducted into the fraternity. And it was in this moment that the members of Sigma Pi, new and old, were confronted with the mandates of the fraternity's creed and how those commands meshed with the truth. When the meeting ended, one thing was made clear by the leaders of Sigma Pi, Colin's death was Colin's fault, not Sigma Pi's. On the next episode of Broken Pledge, Colin is eulogized. And then, as Ohio University's investigation unfolds, the brothers of Sigma Pi are faced with telling the truth while trying to save their fraternity. If you want to learn more about Colin, see family photos and photos of Sigma Pi's Ohio University chapter. Please visit dispatch.com/brokenpledge. Until next time, I'm Sheridan Hendricks.